Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everyone knows that there's no other sport like hockey. From the fast tempo, to the fights, to the highlight reel plays. And now, there's no better way to make it even more exciting than betting on it. By understanding the details of each team and each game, you can turn that knowledge into cash today with MyBookie. MyBookie is already one of the most trusted and reputable sports books in the industry. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. Parlays, teasers, specials, anything you could ever ask for. MyBookie has the best payouts and better odds than any other sports book. You can risk a little, or a lot, on as many games as you want. With the Super Bowl right around the corner, there are daily gifts, free spins, plays, and more. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way to $1,000. That means if you deposit $100, you receive an extra $50 free money to play with. Deposit $200, get an extra $100. You get it. Just use promo code THPN to activate the offer and start playing today. That's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network. So visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. There's no better way to ring in the new year than with mybookie. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and this is episode 40 of the 1920 season, and the Rangers have now won two in a row. They started their road trip, got a huge win last night against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, take it back a couple days, they got a revenge win against the LA Kings, who absolutely smoked them when they went, to, uh, when they went out west to LA. Uh, the reverse happened at home. So Igor went 2-0 in the last two games since we last spoke to you. Uh, all seems good on the Rangers front. Really no action on the trade uh, on the trade talks. And, you know, right now we're going to break down uh, the L.A. game and the Winnipeg Jets game and basically and basically just uh, go from there and see, uh, you know, see what this, the future holds. Kreider uh, remains red hot. And, uh, and yeah, so – uh, Andy, how's everything going? And, uh, you know, uh, what'd you think of, let's start with the L- uh, LA Kings game. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that. Uh, you know, it was, it was one of those games where, you know, you were a little worried until the end when the Rangers were able to seal the deal in the third period. So, um, 
what what are your thoughts? Yeah, I watched it, and uh, it, like you said, it was nice to get a revenge win after uh, that being the maybe the lone uh, sore spot when they took their uh, you know Western road trip earlier this year. Um, I really like the way the Rangers have competed for two games now. Um, the only I think the only common thread is that uh, you know uh, they after you know having a lead going into the third they started loosening up a bit and losing their focus and then they'd you know allow a late goal or some you know a little breakdown here or there but for the most part they've really been pushing uh the pace of play um for you know the last segment of games so i'm happy with that igor is great we had a, a little bit of a scare last night but he's okay which is obviously very uh you know, it's very good news for the Rangers. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it just, there's a lot to like about what they're, this team is doing right now. Um, it's still seeming like it's, there's too much ground to kind of try to make up. Although it seems if they were in any other division, I'd be more hopeful based of their chances to maybe make the postseason based on how they're playing. But the problem is the Metro, every team seems to win and, or is <laughs> playing each other. Um, yeah, it's hard, so hard to gain ground. So, yeah, but again, that's not really what this year is about. And especially if you're, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but based on what this team is going to try, try to do at the trade deadline, this might be their last chance to acquire assets. So at the end of the day, you want them to all play well and play up there, but even if they play well and it still doesn't shake out for them, that's not exactly the worst thing in the world because this might be your last chance to really try to cash it and get some good assets while they're still in the uh, quote unquote rebuilding phase of their uh, progression as a uh, young team. So, but yeah, there's, there was obviously a lot to like about uh, what they've done over the, the you know, the last small segment, uh, segment of games. Yeah. No. So, you know, to go uh, back to the LA game, you know, we finally host LA at home after we got our butts kicked when we went out there. That was, you know, obviously a very low point of the season, pretty much when I waved the white, uh, the white flag and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, basically said this team is not a playoff team, even though, you know, we seem to just be hanging around and, and obviously things were a lot different back then. Now we have uh, Igor in net and our young, our young line seems to, you know, be, uh, you know, playing a really important role right now in, the, in this season and they're growing and developing and it, that's fun to see. But, you know, going back to the LA game, it was one of those games where you're like, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull this out. You know, we go up one, nothing off a fluke goal from Greg McKegg, uh, Howden Lindgren assisted, and then nothing happens the rest of the way. Uh, the second period comes Again, still one nothing, and you're just like, I know, I've seen this a million times. This is classic New York Rangers hockey. We're going to go into the third, and we're not going to get uh, another goal, and they're going to tie it and probably take the, the game late before, you know, overtime, so we don't even get a point. But, nope, our Lord and Savior, Capo uh, Caco, uh, gets his goal off an unbelievable pass from Heedle. Uh, Di Giuseppe uh, gets an assist, and, you know, we go up 2 nothing. Then uh, Trevor Moore, the newly acquired uh, L.A. King, gets his uh, first goal, I think, as a king, and makes it 2-1. And then the bread man puts it, puts it home, makes it 3-1, and Tony, Tony D puts the empty – I think it was an empty netter. Maybe not. Uh, it, yeah. No. So, you know, 4-1 Rangers. 
very nice win. You saw all the young guys contributing, uh, in- including uh, including Kako, Hedl, and Di Giuseppe. So, you know, first, what I mean, obviously we were working during this game, but, you know, if, did you get a chance to go and look at it and see how, you know, that line was playing? Because it really did seem like uh, Di Giuseppe really played well, and then Capo, Kako, and Hedl really were, you know, pressing the LA Kings. Granted, they're a slower team. They have a little bit more time with the puck. Uh, but still, it's, it's an NHL game. Like regardless of the team you're playing, you know, um, you know, what do you think of their play? Yeah, I think uh, a Di Giuseppe is the perfect guy to put in that between those two because he's a little bit older. Um, even though this is really his first major cup of coffee in the National Hockey League, he he was he's willing to play the role of the disruptor on that line. You know, co- be the first man in trying to throw the body and separate uh, the uh, the opposing team from the puck and then get it to the two more possibly more skilled guys on the in Kako and Hedl. Um, I really like Kako's defensive play has really taken a, you know, a nice little step forward. You know, he still has a lot to, to iron out, but his reads are much better. Um, and he's been putting himself in. Uh, I think he's finally understanding that you have to in order to do the things that are your hallmarks, the little skill moves, you know, he loves to hold onto the puck and do little dipsy doodles and quick uh, cuts and turns and stuff. But in order to do that, you really have to be pressing. So you have to maybe sometimes make a lot of little simple plays to get the other team on their heels a bit. And then you can do that stuff. And he seems to finally be figuring that out. And that also involves using your own body language and going to areas to basically open up the the ice for your your line mates so that you know uh, on the that backhand heatle pass off the boards very you know he goes to the net which is smart he's got good hands especially in in close so he can either you know from that spot he buries it from he could either rifle he rifle at five hole which he does as heatle makes an unbelievable backhand pass from the corner and boards uh or he could corral it would try to freeze quick with a you know fake shot and then quickly try to put it in his backhand and get it upstairs but you know, he can end up scoring a lot of goals like that because he's got such smooth hands. So uh, good, good work by him to put himself in a dangerous position. Um, and like you said, it's a it's a little different because L.A. Is a, is a bit slower than some of the other teams. They the Rangers have been playing recently so that that line did have more time and space. Uh, Heedle has become such a tremendous two way centerman, uh, his ability to really come back and try to support the defenseman with that swing and then just work his way back up the ice. He doesn't seem to get too tired so he can do that, you know, up and down the ice for a few shifts. So yeah, it just, it's everything seems to be working, especially um, removing Howden from that line and putting him on the fourth line was probably for the best because uh, yeah, it's just, it's been, I think I saw that that line versus LA, their, their uh, possession metrics were really good. Probably the best they had been for, um, any you know three of those guys all season so that was really nice to see that especially because uh Kako's had a hard time possessing the puck for long extended periods of time so yeah they just they are good at keeping pucks in and they have just a little bit of everything and it's uh happy to see that they're working yeah and then you got you know uh Igor got another win um you know he seemed to be you know absolutely uh unbeatable for most of the game and then of course you know the Rangers can't get him the shutout and Trevor Moore uh gets a goal uh in the third period but i mean he looked unbelievable uh 
he's so steady and, and he's always in a really good position. And I feel like his glove is – I'm so used to Hank just like kind of being flopping all over the place, especially like of late. And don't get me wrong, Hank made a living being like that and you know, kind of more flashy goaltender. Igor is just like a wall. He like doesn't move his glove, but yet he's always, you know, he's always his glove is always in the right position and he never has to move it. And he's always square to the puck. He's very structured. And, you know, I wish he got a shutout because he he, he deserves it. And he's he's you know, sniffing that for uh first shutout. So um, you know, what what do you think of him so far? And we now we can probably, you know, go into the uh and first off, I, I wanna say something. I feel like I'm I can't hear myself right now, so I don't know if I'm even recording my own voice, and I'm, I feel like Ron Burgundy, where I can't control the volume of my voice, because I got the headphones <laughs> on, I can't hear myself, so if I sound like an idiot, that's why, uh, but let's get it. No, you, you sound great, you sound right, normal. That's good, all right, thank you, um, credit to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's get into the Winnipeg game last night, because this game I, I was a little nervous about. Winnipeg is a team that's been overachieving all season. I don't get their record. I don't get where they are in the standings because they lost so much last year, and especially their defense. I mean, I don't know if any other team would be able to recover, but they just seem to be playing as a team. And again, like I said, overachieving and looking at their defense. I don't know if it's their coaching. What do you think it is with the Winnipeg Jets? I mean, the Rangers came away with a 4-1 win, but this this doesn't sum up the Winnipeg Jets. Like, I, I can't say enough about how big this win was for the New York Rangers to go into Winnipeg and get a win against this team because this team is I don't even know how to describe them they lost so much but yet they're still in the hunt for a playoff spot and you know go ahead look I mean Connor Hellebuck has been absolutely insane for them this season if you look at uh, in terms of goals saved above average he's I think he's top of the top of the league right now you know so which uh, obviously is something that's very familiar to Ranger fans having defense that are uh, abysmal. And yet um, your goaltender stealing wins, you know, obviously couldn't get it done for them last night, but uh, all right. Even was that even was, was that Hellebuck who was playing last night? I don't even, I don't even remember. Yeah. But, but still like he's been, you know, he's just, like you said, despite the, the poorest defense in front of him, he's been uh, extremely good. And, Honestly, that yes, they did lose some, you know, most of their right side, right handed defensemen, but they still have a very talented forward core and a lot of balance up front. It's just obviously when you lose uh, a bunch of high quality defensemen, it hurts your transition a bit. It's your offense is going to take a hit anyway, just for their, you lose a, a bit of a ability to transition the puck up the ice or get it going the other way. But I mean, I'm looking at his, uh, you know, I th- he's rock. What is he rocking right now? He's uh, he's rocking a a, a nine nineteen for the season, which is you know it's all right. It's not bad. You know, you'd probably want him to be at nine twenty, but considering, like you said, how poor the defensive the defense is, and his honestly his save percentage of the last five games before the Rangers, it's nine fifty. Uh, you know, nine fifty win over the, the Blues, nine forty four, and uh, a loss to Nashville. 946, 923, which is all great. But then last night, the Rangers put four and he, he rocks an 875. So he's been good. It's just, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, the Jets were a little flat last night and the Rangers, who have been playing better of late, just never took their foot off the gas, even when they were getting pressured sometimes. So, well, I, I, 
Uh, no, I, I will say there. I mean, it wasn't like the Jets didn't have uh, scoring chances. This score could have been very easily. Oh no, no, they, they definitely I mean, did. Igor played again out of his mind. He's so sound and structured. Uh, the Rangers did a really good job, I thought, of limiting second chances, uh, letting Igor make the first save, and then clearing out the front of the net. Uh, I thought Stahl played a, a very good game getting back. He had a good stick on the puck. Uh, they seem to be playing a, a team defense in the zone and just throwing the thing out. Just get it out of there. I mean, granted, they still gave up uh, over four, 44 shots. Uh, Igor, I think, became the first goaltender ever to have four 40 goals, 40 save wins in the, in in the first, first seven, seven games. games yeah. So yeah. he's like setting records. Uh, Rangers PK was... Uh, absolutely dynamite uh, kept them to the outside and the perimeter nothing in the middle again the Rangers have such a hard time picking up guys in the middle and this is what happens when when they uh, defend from the inside out in the uh, defensive zone you don't give anything any high quality scoring chances I mean they had shots on goal they had chances but nothing that you you know uh, Igor couldn't save at first and then again if you win those battles, you know, get a stick on the puck after, you know, a shot on goal and you just clear it to the side and keep everything to the perimeter, you're going to win games. You're going to frustrate teams. And um, I just felt like the Rangers were in full control that entire game. And uh, it really showed it. Yeah. I mean, first of all, to jump on your point, which is a really good one, is that Igor is the type of goaltender where if it's a clear sighted shot, he's going to save it. And his game sense is very, very high. So if a guy's going to try to fake on the post and starts going around the net, he's already pushed across because he knows that uh, try to stuff and wrap around or, or at least to try to put it in the slots coming. And he's got not only is he pushed to his other post, he has a stick uh, down re- almost ready to to kind of hit like a lot of things you'll see is that he is really active using a poke check when there's scrambles in front of his net to to knock it to the end boards and kind of, you know, get it out of uh just out, just get it out of the out of the slot, which is, you know, just it just speaks volumes to how high his uh, hockey IQ is. He's really good at not only just you know tracking pucks and staying square to them, but also kind of anticipating what uh, you know the opposing player is going to do, where it's going to get passed for uh, either a one timer or and yeah, like you said, the Rangers kept them to the outside, and Winnipeg is a team that they're not exactly get it to the point and blasts away. And try to get deflections. They have guys in line A and Connor and Ehlers and even Shifley and Wheeler to you know lesser extent that they like to you know have a nice pass to the the side and try to pick a corner because they have a lot of guys that have great wrist shots. So, but it was uh, as long as Igor could see it, he was saving it or snaring it, and there's no and he doesn't give up rebounds. So any momentum, it really you know it would it would help kill their momentum and help the Rangers you know maybe if they got hemmed in a little bit reset so his you know Igor's ability to swallow pucks and make sure they stick to him and he's not given it's not you know he's controlling his rebounds or yeah it really helps the Rangers get favorable matchups if they're in a bad spot and yeah just it you know he really is he's been the kind of the thing tying everything together for them um and I did want to mention before we if before I forget I thought Adam Fox probably had his best game as in a Rangers sweater last night uh not even on just his the his defense you know though that's just in a nutshell like the the three on one that he broke up was yeah insane text you know it's just he played it perfectly he's the you know because when you're in that position you're waiting for some the other three to react but he almost fakes 
he's so smart. He fakes like he's going to bite on one guy and knowing the guy's going to pass it to the end. He almost like since he's anticipating that he's like, I'm going to fake it here and then put my stick here. That's exactly what he does. So not only does he get a stick on it, it pushes the puck forward. And now he starts skating forward. So now you have the three guys that was a three on one. Now he's in there behind him and he's leading, you know, a three on two back the other way. And it's, you know, it was just he had an awesome pass uh, on the uh, I think it was he had, yeah, he had a nice assist on. I think it was a Strom goal where it's, he gets it up to Panarin who gets it to Strom and then. They do that thing where Panarin gets it back to Strom in the slot and he spins around and, and puts it, you know, between Hellebuck's legs. But he was just tremendous last night. His defending is so good. He defends with his stick and his, you know, his feet really well. And obviously that's all just game sense. So it kind of just goes, does go, and you know, Winnipeg's a big team, but it just goes to show that it doesn't matter how, what, you know, you don't have to be the biggest guy, but if you use your head and you put your stick in the right spot you can still defend it shouldn't be a problem you know guys like ryan ellis who do are really good at that too so um yeah he's been a, a revelation this year so i was really nice to see he's definitely been the rangers best defenseman this year i think just in terms of an overall you know maybe tony has offensively has really been uh impressive but in terms of both ends of the ice i don't think anyone's been as impressive as uh, fox has this year just his uh, knowing when to join the play and when to get back and knowing when to yeah, he's just he doesn't make mistakes and he's so heady. So and when he does, he, he yeah, he just he has so much confidence to make sure he can get pucks out or get it up to his forwards and doesn't panic and make, you know, a stupid cough up. So, man, he's been really good. So just want to gush about him a bit. Yeah, I, I don't think it was even close last night. I mean, you really saw how good Fox was. Uh, on the other hand, though, I thought Tony probably had his worst game of the season. Uh, he. Man, he he was I don't know what the hell he was thinking on some of the plays. He he was stepping up and pinching on 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 pucks that he thought must have been 50-50 and they weren't and you know, away Winnipeg goes and and I think that was actually the reason why uh it might have been the reason why Fox, I know Fox was playing with Lindgren last night. Uh Tony Tony pinched and away the Winnipeg went 3 on 1. Again, uh time and time again, uh you know, Igor bailed uh, them out on a few time, a uh, few uh, odd man rushes, uh, but Tony, yeah, I, I think he ended up getting benched because he had ended up with the least amount of time on the ice. Yeah, uh, as all out of all Ranger defensemen, and uh, you can just tell in the first period, I just didn't have his legs or his, his sense was off. It's you know, uh, I'm, I, yeah, I mean, he's a you I know, don't he's a bash him because he's had so many good games, but you know, last night, no, and that you know, at the end of the day, Tony's a riverboat gambler. And that's always going to be his game. He's going to try to have the puck a lot. And obviously it's either he has nights where he's takes over the game and nights where he is. Yeah. He's just constantly making poor decisions based on if he has his legs under him or if he's reacting fast enough to get first steps on pucks. Uh, You know, and especially I think, like you said, a a lot of the ill-advised pinches, things that he thought he had the, the inside track on or his first step on, but getting beat and it all takes then is the forward to just kind of one hand uh the puck against the boards to chip it around him and then they're they have a step on him now he's trying to get back to defend so yeah just a rough night for him but the good the good thing about having other young talented defensemen and obviously our supremely talented uh young goaltender is that they did bail him out it could have been a lot worse but it's easy to, i think based on some of his decision making last night and why Quinn was trying to get them as a team to keep it simple. I even remember 
uh, I think it was on the the Kako penalty. It, it starts with Heedle making a. Well, I know at one point Kako makes a pretty ill-advised pass on his backhand to the slot that gets picked up by a forward, which is, and then you you see Quinn explaining to him like why he can't do that, and then Heedle did something similar, and they're getting a a talking to. And I think they each got, maybe they got sat for one rotation, but then they kind of put them back in, which is just kind of something to think about because I, yeah, Quinn has been, Quinn uses his bench. He benches guys when they're not performing well, but it just, it only lasts what either one, it, depending on how egregious it's either a period or a game, or they always get a chance to redeem themselves. So I, I've had no problem with how he's used it because guys usually do seem to be coming out the other side, uh, not making as many of those mistakes again. And they don't, and not, it's not so egregious that they really start overthinking things that I'm going to in danger of getting benched constantly. And they just play like a different player or they're, you know, so there has to be a balance. I think Quinn has done a really good job of at least using enough carrot and stick to make sure kids are, you know, learning, but at the same time, it's not hampering their uh, decision-making or ha- them playing the things that make them successful. So, yeah. Uh, so before we get into uh, the goaltending talk, uh, you know, because obviously there was a little bit of controversy and a, and a problem that I had uh, with not just, um, you know, what happened last night, but with the NHL's decision-making. But before I want we get into that, I do want to say uh, Panarin last night, you know, I, I, his points were not there. He only had one assist, but I, I'm telling you, that was one of the better games I've ever seen him play. He was unbelievable with the puck. Uh, nobody could touch him. Every pass was tape to tape. Um, it, it's, it, it was too easy for him last night. And, like, the, the only thing that slowed him down was that, like, his teammates can't keep up with him. Like, it wasn't the opponent, like, boxing him out or, you know, you know their, their sticks on the puck or nothing. You, you couldn't steal the puck from him. Yeah. Uh, the only time he ever coughed it up was when uh, a guy wasn't able to fully, you know, receive his his perfect pass. Like it was, it was unbelievable. It just, you know. Yeah, I think it, him and I'll, you know, I'll even say Strom. I thought had a really good game too. You know, he, yes, he gets rewarded with the goal, but I thought he was Strom was dangerous all game. He really understands how Panarin wants to play and on the perimeter buys them both time and space. And the only I thought Fost had a rough game last night. Uh, he bobbled a few, you know, surefire passes uh, that Panarin or, or Enstrom was making, just kind of seam passes beautiful to the corner where all he has to do is make sure he, you know, uh, collects it uh, neatly and then at least gets a shot on goal. But, you know, Strom, uh, Fast had a rough night. It seems like he was fighting it a bit, which happens. You know, I don't I think he's a little played above his head. So you would hope in the future that the, if Strom is still a ranger, those two. Uh, will get paired with someone who has enough skill to finish. And then I think you'll really have something. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, James Panarin was unreal last night. Uh, despite, despite the size differential, just no one could touch him so many times. He'd have a little give and goes with Strom and then he finds himself alone. And then he tries for the changeup shot because everyone kind of panics. Cause now Panarin has the puck in the slot. So he's not trying to like just put it hard so it goes back he's really trying to find the the holes in uh in the net so he had i mean he must i i would imagine he led the team in shots on goal last night just because i felt like he had so many but uh Kreider ended up oh well yeah we'll get to that too I, well, um, actually strom never mind strom did wow well yeah. you know and i mean i'm sure they were all set up by panarin or 100 percent. so it's again uh you know he's 
it's how blessed are we right now that Panarin is technically in a slump because he's only producing at a point per game <laughs> pace. You know what I mean? It's like, well, oh, that's man. why I wanted to point out because like, I felt like his, <laughs> his points have slowed down, but they really have. And he's just getting a point every single night. You know, instead of four points a game, he's getting a point per game with it. What a, what a scrub. Because uh, it's, I'm like, that's why I was like thinking last night. I'm like, is he <laughs> frustrated because he's not getting four a night? Like he's literally, it's, it's like a men's league out there for him. And, um, you know, I know people listen to this. It's like, was this the first time you guys ever had an all-star on our team? Yeah, pretty much. Yes. Like, I Outside mean. Outside of a goaltender and maybe Gabrick for, you know, what, uh, five was, months. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so I'm going to gush about this guy every single day because it's unbelievable what he does. And watching it, day, and watching it in a Rangers uniform is surreal. So, yeah, I'm going to bring it up as much as possible and – yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. I mean, his points production seems to drop a little bit, but that's because he's only producing at an 82-point uh, pace uh, right now. And, you know, it's just uh, it's just fun to watch. And, you know, I even texted you yesterday. I go, like, is it like there's no other league for him to go to? Like, this is it. This is the best it gets. And he's, like, toying around like it's, it's you know, a men's league out there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we can get into Chris Kreider. He had a, a two goal night and looked. I mean, he looked good. Like he's, I'm not gonna say that he's like Panarin or anything like that. But right now, he just seems to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, his net front front presence is finally it's clicking. Uh, he's doing all the right things. I think he's keeping his game simple. Uh, you know, he he's using his speed and his body the correct way the way that I've wanted him to use it for years. Uh, you know, he's not trying to be over physical and, you know, he it just, he's playing smart and, you know, th- that's the one knock on him. I didn't think he had the mind to really be a dominant player in this league, but I don't know when you, when you start to see him play with guys like Zibanejad and Buchnevich who can drive the play and there's not much pressure on him to really have to, uh, use his skill and stick handling ability to create open space for himself. You you see that he knows how to navigate uh, into open spaces, and he's so strong that he can he can't be moved or boxed out, and he can you know hammer home you know rebound after rebound. And you know again, I, there's I used to be the an- biggest anti Chris Kreider guy in the beginning of the season because I knew what he could be, and he finally is now becoming what he can be, and you know. I'm eating my own words. So, uh, you know, credit to me for acknowledging, you know, that uh, I, I was wrong. But, you know, his play has improved, and that's all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, so there's that's obviously the dilemma. Um, last night, they, TSN has their insider trading, so they basically spoke that now they, you know, the, the panel asked Bob McKenzie what's going on with Chris Kreider. He's, uh, you know, Gordon is talking to Matt Cater, who is Chris's agent. Um, and I think at the end of the day, because I think there is a number Jeff has in his mind that he'd be willing to resign Chris Kreider at. But, you know, I think McKenzie was unsure if Kreider's willing to meet that demand, because I'm sure it would be it'd have to be something that doesn't hamper them, because, you know, either way, if you resign Kreider, then you have to trade some combination of guys who are also up in Strom and Buchnevich and uh, D'Angelo. So, you know, especially with Shattenkirk's buyout jumping up to six and, you know, who knows if anyone else gets bought out this summer. Uh, spoiler alert. But 
I mean, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it, it's, I said this the last podcast, I'm not averse to it because I do think Kreider has some things that you can't replace. But at the end of the day, it's about um, A, asset management. The Rangers are never going to be in this after the season. You, you're hoping they make another, yet another step forward, and that might be the playoffs. So when will you have a chance to really cash in on your assets and get more uh, either – as Gorton has said, NHL ready picks or good young players, uh, and B, yeah, and and just it's gonna, yeah, he's gonna cost money. So you, yes, he is a physical specimen and a freak, but seven years of Chris Kreider is too much for me. I'd do five, and I don't know if Kreider wants to take that, but if he, you know, uh, the last, I, you know, Shattenkirk took uh, that from the Rangers, and although it, it's worked out for him in hindsight, because he was able to get elsewhere and the Rangers bought him out. So he's still going to get paid. It just didn't work out from the perspective of playing at home for taking a discount. So, um, yeah, it's tough. It's, uh, there's a price that I, I wouldn't mind Chris Kreider five for, you know, I guess no more than seven. Obviously I'd hope to keep it under that, but I, I doubt there's no way in chance in hell he does, if he's only going to sign for five years, you're, he's, you're going to have to give him seven million dollars. But I'm not necessarily averse to that. But again, it's just signing him means other guys moving out. So you really have to make sure if you are doing this, are you? There's a lot. Yeah, there's just more. There's I see a lot of Rangers fans who are like, just resign him already. But if you resign him and you have to get rid of Strom, yes, Panarin's been really good, but you now you have to find another guy to click with him. It, it just there's more things at play than just that. So, I mean, obviously, if you, everyone wants to have their cake and eat it, too, so people want to trade Kreider and then try to revisit, uh, you know, Jeff, revisit talking to him when in the over the summer because, you know, he is going to be a rental. Uh, I don't think any t- – unless the team who signs him wants to start uh, talking immediately. But I think Kreider was the type of guy who would just get – if he does get traded and wouldn't talk about any extensions with anyone until the summer. So, um yeah, but uh, it's a lot to consider, obviously, and I think the the I think the feeling is still that he gets traded. That's I think what Bob kind of alluded to. He said optimism around signing him would be too strong of a word, but yeah, it's just there's a lot of moving parts to consider, and then if you move him, you have to be ready to move a lot of other things. So some and like I said earlier, this is might be the last time the Rangers have to acquire assets, so it might be smartest for them to just move him while his value has never been higher. Hopefully. Uh, he's done enough to really, especially with the news of um, Zucker getting traded for a, an absolute haul to the, the Penguins. Yes, Zucker had term and is maybe a little bit younger or maybe by a year or so, but, um, you know, Kreider is a singular force in the National Hockey League, especially how he's playing last night. You're seeing him make power moves every night and using his body smartly, like you said. So the time is now. So maybe you just roll the dice you trade him and who knows maybe they can resume talks and if he really likes being a ranger as much as he said he can pull a chapman and return to the team uh, over the summer but yeah i think i i still maintain that as hard as it is to swallow i think moving on or at least trading him uh right now is a is still the the smartest move for the future i absolutely agree and and Listen, if you're going to sign a guy to seven years or, you know, seven years, even five years, you know, you got to look at the the entire body of work. And I just don't see the entire body of work there. Yeah, he's had a great past few months. But don't you remember Chris Kreider, you know, two years ago, three years ago, where, you know, he turned into Casper, the friendly ghost. 
and you didn't you didn't notice him out there? Or how about the playoff series when he at, against the Ottawa Senators, when we lost that series and he absolutely played like garbage the entire series, and then all of a sudden in the he in showed the, up with with a half a period with a half a period, period left, he was left. the most dominant yeah. player on the ice. It's like, do you remember <laughs> that Chris Kreider? Because that Chris Kreider is the same one that's scoring all these goals right now and finds himself in a, a really good position. And let's let's not discredit his line mates either, right? It's it's so funny that people always blame Panarin for Strom's success, but can we can we blame Buchnevich and uh, Zibanejad for Chris Kreider's success? You know, it, everyone wants it one way, and then they they turn a blind eye when you know they want to keep Chris Kreider and not say that his success isn't because Buchnevich is driving every single play. Zibanejad is playing out of his mind and having you know an All Star season, even though he got snubbed for it. Uh, and we sent Chris Kreider because that was the best move because it en- enhanced his resume. But, you know, everyone not- wants to knock Ryan Strom for having a- a- an unbelievable season and saying that we got to trade him and let him go like he's only a product of Panarin. But you know what? I think Chris Kreider is a product of Buchnevich and Zibanejad, and I think they have a lot of chemistry. So, again, that might be a case to resign him, but I'm looking at the entire body of work, and I don't see Chris Kreider getting seven years. I mean, how, how many – if he gets $7 million, no, that's way too much for a guy that he might not score 20 goals next year. If he's a New York Ranger, he just might not like that's the, and you know, and I love when guys come alive on a contract year, right? Isn't that something? Wow. He, he's a free agent and, and now he's having the best season of his life. Wow. Funny how that works out. Why don't you say that to Kevin Hayes, you know, and see how that's going over in Philly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just, uh, you know, if we remember that Zuccarello turned it on kind of uh, prior to getting traded last year and Ranger fans were obviously like, no, look, he's, you know, still got it. And it's just and then now I don't think any Ranger fan would want to have that contract, even though we all love Zook. You know what I mean? But it just yeah, it's just there's too many there's too much risk built into it. And uh, building for the future means about making, you know, if you're sure you can get good value for him now you'll know it's a sure thing. I mean, obviously draft picks are what they are, but I think uh, especially with Gordon saying he wants to make sure he's getting not only a first round pick, but he's getting a NHL ready known quantity player. I think, yeah, I think he, he might have to, you might have, you have to side on the side of, uh, you know, almost certainty to versus on knowing what, how Kreider's body will hold up or if he'll turn back into a pumpkin the second he resigns with the team, because those are, very possible you know what i mean he's a cerebral guy and he gets in his own head a lot over his career and he's been working with a sports psychologist but you know he's been playing with something in mind like i want to stay so i have to do this so i can stay but if the carrot is gone and he just feels relaxed does he just coast it out you know even if he doesn't mean to is it just something that he had just enough you know proving his value to the team and that he wants to be here was that just enough to get him to shut off you know, his overactive brain sometimes, who knows? So again, uh, yeah, I think it's still, it still behooves the Rangers to try to get some value for him now. And you know what, if you want to talk in the summer and it works out that it's, uh, you know, it's a, that's a double win. So, you know, you either, yeah, I think you, you have to go for that. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and obviously I think the, I think ultimately Chris Kreider will be moved. I don't think there's, I don't think there's, uh, I just don't think that there's a universe out there in which Chris Kreider resigns. I really don't. It just doesn't make sense on any on on any level because I, I 
I think it'll you'll have a more difficult time moving three other players by the trade deadline. And what are you actually even going to get for them? You know, are you going to get a ton for Dylan Strom? Is it even going to be worth moving Dylan Strom or Ryan Strom, Dylan? Um, you know, I and I just think you know Chris Kreider will get you a guaranteed first round draft pick. Uh, you know, you know if you don't win the elusive lottery. You know, you now you could package maybe those two picks to move down if you want to. If you, if a guy that you you know are really targeting is still available, you can always have that option. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's really important that the Rangers uh, don't get blinded by this and and try to you know do the right thing and just move him, attain some assets, and you know what, you don't. Maybe Chris Kreider realizes that he wants to be a New York Ranger and, and, and all the money that's getting thrown at him uh, next year is not really what he wants. He wants to stay in New York and maybe he takes a little bit of a discount. And, you know, maybe we are in a position to, uh, you know, give him the terms that he wants in terms of length and the dollar value isn't, you know, a, a massive hit. And, you know, because there are guys that we, we need to sign, you know, you can't you can't be top heavy with a few players and. And Chris Kreider is one of those players that, you know, uh, despite the season that he's having right now in the past few months, he's been absolutely amazing. But his entire body of work does not justify a, a seven-year, you know, $7 million contract um, that he might get elsewhere. So uh, I'm not biting on it. And <laughs> all right. So I don't know. I'm kind of done talking about Chris Kreider. But <laughs> well, uh, to to pivot a little bit, they also mentioned what the Rangers go- are going to do with the three-headed uh goalie situation um well i do i do want to talk about the scare that we had last night though and this is the problem yeah go ahead uh, so to bring it back to the winnipeg jets game anybody who was uh has didn't get a chance to watch uh probably about midway or towards the end of the first period there was a play uh to the rangers net and tony uh kind of you know was boxing out a player and it kind of the path that that player took uh took out uh, Igor's legs and he kind of, I thought he might've like ruptured a tendon or something in his knee or ACL injury. Uh, clearly it was his leg. He falls on his back and he kind of grabs towards his leg and he's, you know, wincing in pain. Uh, a few minutes later, uh, whistle blows and Igor is told to get off the ice and Hank has to come in to, you know, take on the goaltending duties. I don't, I really don't like what the NHL did there. I mean, it, that was clearly a leg injury. That was not a concussion well, injury. Well, but here's the thing. Uh, yes, he falls back on his leg, but, uh, you know, uh, he, um, as he he gets pushed, I forget who it was, was Andrew Kopp, gets pushed to him. He does, he does elbow Igor in the jaw and his bucket flies up a little bit. I mean, so I think that's probably what the NHL, the spotters saw that there were like this guy just got took an elbow to his his jaw and his and his helmet almost flew halfway off. And you even saw him spit a little bit when it hit him. So, you know, I think it was stupid for them to it took so long and he was played what he played the rest of the almost the rest of the the second period before they came out again and had to take him out. But um, I do I I did think at first at first when it happened, I thought they were going to pull him immediately which I wouldn't have had a problem with because, you know, at first in the moment, we didn't know really what happened. You know, he falls backwards. You don't know if he hits the back of his head on the ice or he was grabbing his leg you know, and he then he's grabbing saw- his leg. So I knew I thought it, I thought it was his knee because the way he fell into him, it looked like because it hit him from the side. So his knee kind of buckled 
and then he went backwards yeah. because uh uh you know that was, that was the only way he, he couldn't go forward obviously so he went fell straight yeah. backwards and get- yeah and he was even you're right he was even trying to flex it out and favor it a bit when he got back up so i but i think the what and even joe had mentioned that that he would he was questioning why now when he was telling if the trainer was saying it was you know or if he was telling the trainer it was his leg and not his head but again i think the concussion spotter is there for a reason i don't always you know we do, i guess we don't always like it, especially when you're in the middle of, middle of games but when i saw that elbow to the head i will admit that i i thought it's like you know what just check him out it's not worth it if he's you know because he's not going to say or he, he might not even know so, you know a lot of the times you don't know you're just in the moment he honestly for Igor, he probably doesn't remember he's going down and he gets hit. So he just kind of, and he's more, the, the leg was probably hurting him more than remember. It probably didn't even, you know, again, it, it seems like it was much ado about nothing in the end because he came out back for the third after Hank had to relieve him for the final half of that second period. Um, you know, cold. So kudos to Hank for being able to, to make a few good saves there. But, um, yeah, but it's I, I will admit that when I saw the elbow to the head, I, I would question at first why they didn't pull him or sooner, why it didn't happen almost immediately, because at least you could test, check him out, make sure he was OK and then get him. back. I have in no there. problem but, of it happening immediately. Like I have zero issue yeah. with that. No, exactly. It was just very strange that I was questioning why it took them that. But long. apparently the tra- New York Rangers the- trainers, though, uh, told the officials that it was a it's a leg injury like you communicate that. And then they look for if they're signs. Yeah, but like I don't. But I, I under. Yeah, I I understand that it's. But like, guys get hit in the head constantly. Like players get hit in the head no, constantly. I know, it's I like know. where do you draw the line on like, like on on yanking a player off yeah. the ice? I mean, listen, that could have been a, that could have been a bad situation for the Rangers if you know if Hank gives up a couple goals there. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, I I. Again, I, I wasn't happy it took so long because then I was kind of pissed because it seemed like to me, I was like, he's fine, obviously. Why are, are you pulling him now? Like he he's not having lingering. But at the same time, not, you know, not that I, I'm in favor of everything they do. When I saw that, I it did seem like the type of thing. It's like you I think some guy should get pulled. But I do agree with you that at that point, he's back and he's playing. He looks sharp. He's not. There's nothing about his movements that signals that he is rocked more than he's giving on. You know what I mean? And I also think that, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough because at one hand, I'd, I wouldn't trust some of these players to to think about their best interest. They're so like I have to perform for the team, especially in a, you know, ultimately the season that might be ultimately meaningless. So, yeah, it's tough, but I don't I didn't necessarily like how it went down. But I think I, you know, I'm I'm at least hard pressed to be that upset in the, in the end of especially luckily things didn't seem to work out to hurt the rangers but i do understand where you're coming from because it could if yeah if hank does come in cold and then lets in two goals it's almost an entirely different game especially if igor has to come back in you know too so which could have been avoided so yeah it's it's unfortunately i think there will be more refinements to the that protocol in the future but right now it's yeah it's stupid yeah I, if I, you I, wanna, they should have just yeah, administered take him out right away right yeah, when take it, it out right take player out right away this way there's no uh you know controversy because you can even see Igor's like what the fuck are you talking about like why yeah like why yeah. are you talking about it, at first he's probably like i don't speak english like what are you saying yeah and, <laughs> but, but you know what's funny is that well the why i never even knew this so i learned this last night that the backup goaltender stays in a locker room uh 
when you play in Winnipeg. Oh, in Winnipeg, because yeah, because the, they don't have uh, the the middle middle section. The, the benches are too short. I mean, that's unbelievable. Like, yeah, God, that's that's like a that's crazy. So that's yeah, Hank having to stay in the locker room in his gear. Right, and you don't you don't just like say what you want. I know Hank's probably you know watching the game and and probably was able to you know get a good stretch in and stuff like that, but um it's kind of weird because you feel like you're almost not involved in the game at all. And then you go in kind of, yeah, you think, you think he was, (laughs) you think he was despondent, you know, having to sit on the bench and watch Imagine just being like, all right, Hank, stay here. (laughs) We need you just being in in your gear in the locker room. Just you and, you know, the, the junior uh, equipment manager who's sharpening skates is having to listen. Like, yeah. Or, you know, I, I was just Just envisioning Hank, like watching a uh, Swedish soap opera, or like looking in the mirror, just like combing yes. his hair, just admiring how good he looks. And they're like, Hank, we, we, we need you. He's like, oh, yeah, put on his, uh, his silk gloves. Like, all right. <laughs> yeah. You know, but he, he came in like a champ. He made a he had to make a tough save right off the hop, which, you know, it almost looked like, you know, came through a player's legs and he nice kick save. And again, he's a uh, he's actually handled this well, although apparently people were talking about the Georgiev head had expressed some frustration somehow. And I didn't see this. I didn't see it in an interview or anything, but I was just curious to what, like where that was coming from. I don't know if you knew. anything. Yeah. So I saw a couple quotes on Twitter, you know, basically just saying like, you know, I've never had to do this before. And you know, it's, it's tough mentally to uh, stay focused when, you know, you're you're basically part of a a trio and, and it's kind of weird because this is, you know, this is the problem that we, you know, we've kind of spoken about. Oh, I, fa- I, sorry, I found it. I found him talking to Larry. Yeah. Nothing he says here is that it's is not him egregious, but it's not complaining. But you know, he's being a little honest, and yeah, I like and, that. And, and it's I, tough. I, you know, I hope it puts it's, pressure it's, on. Uh, you know, because I feel like Lundqvist. I think it'd be worse if he said, "No, this is fine." Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> be worse. I'd, I'd be more worried if he was like, "No, nah, this no, is cool. I'm, I'm happy. This is okay." I'd rather him. Yeah, I'd rather have the guy have the want to play everything. Like that's what you want. So. Like I said, like none of these goalies uh, have played themselves out of this trio. They've all, I felt like overachieved given how many shots they constantly have to face game in and game out. Uh, Igor obviously yeah. has played out of his mind. And, you know, right now, last two games was only given up one goal. And uh, none of those goals are his fault, by the way. Like, you know, they're clear breakdowns. Yeah, deflections, deflections or yeah, breakdowns. Yeah, breakdowns and I deflections. Mean, the goal again, even the, like the Toronto game, you know, you know, you could see just like the, the Rangers' goaltending is like holding strong. They're not. Uh, they're no one's given them a reason to, to to be benched, and and this is the problem. This is why Hank is is so controversial st- sticking around, is because at the end of the day, you can't bench Henrik. You can't give the uh, the optical of you know Henrik just not being dressed for a game. You'll never see the combo of you know George and Igor. It just it's not going to happen. And I could see George and you know I don't think Igor is in a really position to be complaining right now. But uh, again, uh, George has to be fucking fuming right now because it's either like, all right, let's move me or let me get more starts because this is a little bit ridiculous. Well, I I'd mentioned insider trading earlier. The other thing they did talk about um, the you know, the goalie situation and they believe that the summer will be where this is resolved, that it's not going to happen at the deadline just because obviously uh, the Rangers, if they're going to trade a kid that talented, they want to get some good value for him. And right now in season, I don't think 
teams are pretty much don't want to change things up. And the ones that are, are gun shy. So I think they think if they're going to get good value for him, the summertime's a way to do it, especially you have teams where their season ends on a poor note or goaltending is what ultimately does them in. And, you know, now that guy that they were looking to maybe lead them to one final uh, push or, you know, is all of a sudden disappoints you. And now you're looking forward and you're, you don't trust the guy you have in net. So it's tough, but if you're, if instead of, instead of trading him now for less than you want, then it, it's almost wasn't worth it to be, go through this anyway. So I, at this point, I'd rather them just try to ride it out. You know what I mean? So, because it's, it's, I know it's uncomfortable, but, You can't. That's the problem. And Lundqvist has no trade. It just sucks. It's just not. It's like, you know, it, the 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 Rangers. They either have to take a bath just to get it over with, so they can move forward. But I also, you have to think that they're trying to, to hold a a little bit of a candle under Lundqvist's feet too, because yes, they're. The, Quinn says they're going to go with the hot hand, and it's been Igor. And like you said, he's not the only thing that's getting by him is deflections and, you know, backdoor plays, which he has no chance on. And just statistically, he's going to be if he remain continues to just play his percentages that well and says, if you beat me on that, so be it. But I, other than that, I'm going to everything I can see. I'm going to stop. Like, what do you you know, what are those two going to do? Because he's clearly right now he's the most consistent. He's the most composed. He was his only lost. He was what 20 seconds away and and a, and a screen away from from going to overtime which either that the rangers may have won or a shootout or whatever we don't know you know what i mean so he's just he's been absolute flat out dominant since coming up and it's it's funny because if the rangers i know we were talking about how hard it is but if it's if he just keeps playing like this and all of a sudden they start climbing it's just yeah i mean yeah it's uh it's an interesting situation um and I guarantee what's going to happen is when they, it seems that when they're going to try to give him rest sometimes, because yes, he's their hot hand, but you can't just play him every, especially when the Rangers seemingly have a game every other day that can, you can get a guy to get tired quickly. They're going to give him a, you know, try to give him four days here or there. And whoever they put in that, that might be the one game they lose in that stretch. You know what I mean? That's so, what I mean. Like if you throw George in now and he gives up four goals, I mean, I don't really blame George. I mean, listen, a lot of about being a goaltender and this is from, you know, my experience growing up playing hockey and talking to goalies is that they need to feel like reps are the most important thing uh, for a goaltender is to get in the feel for the puck, to get a feel for it. And, and you can never replicate a game. I don't care how much you practice. It's just not realistic. So, you know, if George's game absolutely tanks for the whole season and you had three goaltenders, you know, Rangers have nobody to blame but themselves because, you know, if his play – all right, so Igor's playing great because he's getting the most starts and he's getting consistent starts, you know, two in a row, three in a row. Fucking George is now playing every fourth game. You know, if his numbers go to shit, that's the Rangers' fault. And and then you're never going to get, uh you know, the package that you want because they're going to be like, ah, eh, look at his play towards the end of the season and stuff like that. And, you know, and especially in a league where, you know, it seems like uh, goaltenders come out of uh, nowhere and they get called up and all of a sudden they become, you know, NHL all-stars and challenging Justin Bieber to, you know, shootouts. It's... I don't see what we're really going to get much more if we trade them now than if we traded them, you know, over the summer. I think, I guess you, you know, probably think teams feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, introducing a new goaltender over the summer where he can have the training camp and, and, you know, feel like he's, you know, part of the team, you know, 
goaltenders obviously have the spotlight on them getting traded with the March deadline. There's a tremendous amount of pressure, especially with the way that the roster is set up right now. Do you think that they rely on those two guys to kind of carry the load for them and make sure that they can get the job done and get the win and get the win that they need to win to get to the next level? Yeah, so uh, roughly, what, 10, 10 or so days to the deadline. It's Monday, uh, let's say the 12th. So there's, it's the 24th. All right, so there's there's uh, 12 days till the uh, the trade deadline. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll see if something happens. Uh, I think we've said this before in this podcast that after uh, the trade deadline, I'm sure we'll see a lot more I mean, barring the if the Rangers are like somehow they've won every single game between now and then, and you're looking there in in spitting distance, even though it seems like every other team in the Metro always wins ever, anyway. But the Rangers do have a lot of uh, games coming up against some of the opponents that are ahead of them, you know, between uh, Columbus and the Flyers, so uh, and you know uh, Pittsburgh. So, well, listen, yeah, I mean, uh, you have two uh, games coming up. Not, not sorry to cut you off there. No, but, no, go ahead. Um, you have two games coming up against the Minnesota Wild and the Columbus Blue Jackets, two teams that are a hundred percent beatable. I know Columbus. Columbus been, just lost Atkinson for two to three weeks with a with a. He's out ankle. again. Yeah, that's an absolute yeah, killer. I mean, I mean, they're lucky that their goalie's standing on their head. Also, yeah. uh, John Tortorella should probably win Coach of the Year for taking this oh, roster. You, he has to uh, win the jacket. They're hovering. Around. I don't know if they're in. Let's check real quick. No, they're in the playoffs. Yeah, they're what? They're in, aren't they third in the? They are. They have the first wild card spot with seventy points. Uh, yeah. So you know, they play back to back. They play Thursday, Friday, eight, 8 o'clock against the the Wild, and then seven p.m. against the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know what? You got to win those two games because your next opponent is Boston at home. Probably going to lose that game. Not going to lie. Boston's pretty good this year. So you know, if we can come back from this road trip going three and zero. Uh, I would say that's a pretty good, uh, even two and one, I'd say that's a, you know, a pretty good accomplishment. Uh, I'm sure they'll throw, uh, George in there at some point, right? You would think, I don't, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But if we're riding the hot hand, how do you, how do you not play a goaltender that has, uh, uh, you know, just come off uh, back to back big wins, only giving up two goals. Yeah. I, like you said, it's just they'll the only reason he's if he if he misses a game, it's not I don't think it'll be because Igor was bad. It's just because he needs rest. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'll be interested. Well, it'll be interesting to see who who gets tapped when it, that time comes. You know, I think it'll probably be uh, Guryev, like you said, if especially if they if they have talked to teams and they're it maybe there is some interest and they want to see a little bit more, especially if it's a t- like you said, a team like Minnesota who has struggled this year. You know, they just traded Zucker, so I would it wouldn't be surprising to see uh, Georgiev get one of those games. So, but uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, we'll we'll know more in within the next uh, two weeks. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we get some resolution. Yeah, and uh, you know, given that we have a back to back, you got to use two different goaltenders. Uh, very rarely yeah. does a team throw out the same goalie uh, on a back to back night. So. Exactly. It doesn't make you know sense. It's a lot of work. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So uh, again, I mean, looking at the standings, nothing really has changed in terms of where the Rangers are as a team. They're you know ten points, uh, nine points out of a playoff spot with two games in hand. So uh, potentially five points out of a wild card spot. And 
you know, if you take away take away Detroit, we're, you know, we're only a few losses away from uh, being a bottom feeder in the East. So uh, the NHL this season has been wild, both both East and West. This is not just a Eastern Conference thing. This is this is an all league thing. The wild card is is working. It's doing its job. Every team is relevant here. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where uh, you know. It's it's unique because every podcast we're in a different situation. I feel like, uh, but always in the same. If that <laughs> makes any sense whatsoever. No, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's just like you said, the wild card's kind of doing its job right now. Uh, if the Rangers were a Western Conference team, I, you know, the last wild card spot is Arizona, and they have sixty four points in fifty nine games. The Rangers have sixty points, but they've only played fifty five. So who knows if they were, you know, they if possible they'd be right in the mix in the hunt uh, if they were in the West, but they're not, they're in a, a stacked East. So it is what it is. Um, and like you said, as they're probably as close to being in as they are from being at the bottom, but this might be their last chance. But if you look at how they've improved, especially in their last 25 game segment, all of a sudden they're almost, I think they're the number one power play in the league since Christmas They're or at least maybe right behind Edmonton. Um, who's been, you know, tremendous, but, uh, yeah, their metrics have all been trending, you know, to actual like good. Their shot shares are much better. Yeah, maybe last night they gave up. Uh, they've been leading a lot more frequently now. So obviously you get score effects. But in terms of high danger chances, like you said, they're keeping things to the outside. So it's not exactly the most dangerous. You know what I mean? So by all they're Yeah, they're just uh, they're just trending in the right direction. So this might be the last chance to to have that window of mediocrity to, to really make sure you're getting gearing up for the future. And then, cause you know, next season, you know, from the, from the, the drop, the hat, it's going to be probably, you know, all systems ahead, especially with a full year of Igor or whoever, you know? So yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess uh, this, these things will illuminate more in the uh, coming days. So. Yep. And you know, the Rangers have, one, two, three, four, five, six games for the uh, trade deadline, and that's still a lot of hockey. And and you know, then they have a couple days off. I think every is every team off the day before the trade deadline. Actually, you know, I don't I, think so. But I'm not I sure that, that was like a thing for some reason. Um, yeah. Uh, I but know. I will say that, um, um, you know, again, the Rangers could find themselves in a situation where they're a couple points out of a wild card spot by the end of that, you know, that run. And then it's, it'll make sure make for an interesting trade deadline for sure. If, you know, if they're almost in a spot to, to make a, to make a run. Yeah. It'll, it'll test Gorton's uh, resolve for sure. So all, you know, I think I'll, I'll leave it all. You know, the Rangers have tried the doing whatever it takes to, as long as you're in and then go from there thing for a while and it didn't exactly work. So maybe sometimes being proactive and just saying it's not our day, it's been the right track. So we'll, but we'll see, you know, obviously it's one thing to say that when they're, they're where they are now, but if you're two points out, you might ask me, I might not feel the same way. So who knows why? I guess we'll, we'll see when we see. Yeah. Yeah, well, just really two things. Uh, you know, first on a on a serious note, uh, really scary situation with Jay Bomeister last night um, collapsing on the Blues bench. Um, thankfully, the medical uh, there was a medical staff there, and they responded extremely quickly. And they probably you know 
could have possibly saved his life. He did have to be uh, defibrillated, but he, you know, he, he was woke up. He was, his, it was a father, they're having their father's trip. So his father was actually with him and accompanied him to the hospital uh, where he was awake and he was responsive. So, you know, and I, I know he's texting his teammates and he's in the hospital. So really scary situation. Uh, but thankfully he is, um, you know, he's awake and responsive and, you know, he's, he's, uh, we don't know much about, I think, uh, the, the St. Louis's GM will, uh, is that Doug Armstrong? Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll address the media with an update and just, uh, let everyone know how he's doing. But, uh, you know, th- you know, we're obviously, he's in our, our thoughts here on this podcast and we're obviously, we're really pulling for him. He's, you know, uh, he's been in this league a while and he's really, I think in the last few years, he's a guy who's really changed the narrative where it was, you know, he was obviously good for a long time and then maybe people thought he was done. And, but then last year he's still a very important part and a leader on that St. Louis team. So we're happy that he's uh, awake and responsive and, you know, that's all we really know now, but obviously he's in our thoughts and uh, they, they ended up St. Louis and, and the ducks agree to postpone that game, which is, I think is totally the right move, you know, especially in that situation. So kudos to them for, you know, having a, you know, for just thinking of the person first and yeah, uh, our, he's, yeah, he's in our thoughts. So, uh, hopefully he makes a, uh, a full recovery and can go on to play, uh, you know, some more games in the national hockey league. And then our final, on a more positive note, uh, you can see it on our, uh, Twitter page, but we finally have our own, rss feed for this podcast uh which is awesome all all the other fellow podcasts on the hockey podcast network have that as well so if you uh want to just subscribe to just our podcast or just a few of the other hockey podcast network podcasts that you like and just maybe there's some that are just not here they're either divisional rivals you don't want to listen to or just for whatever reason you can only you can subscribe to the individual feed so now it you know every uh every uh, Monday and Thursday, instead of having 31 podcasts jump up on your feed and having to scroll to find ours or whoever's, you will just have that one. So that's awesome. It's a long time coming, uh, at Broadway boys pod on Twitter. It pinned our top pin tweet has the link that you can use, uh, and that to subscribe. And that's right now that is for Google podcasts, uh, Apple podcasts and Spotify. Uh, and if you're a SoundCloud, you, I think you could already have done that anyways, but yeah. So, that's great news. You know, if you're looking just to make sure you have that nice consolidated, clean looking uh, dream. So yeah. So, uh, go and do that if you would so wish. So it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So that's it for me, James, do you have any final thoughts? No, I, I, yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much uh, summed everything up pretty well. Um, pretty cool. that we finally got our, you know, our own, uh, link there and you can subscribe individually with the team. So that that's always fun. And, uh, um, Hopefully we get a, a new read soon with a, a newly acquired sponsor. And I'll... yeah, we do have some new sponsors coming down the pike, which is exciting. We'll have more information on that shortly. So uh, yeah, just stay tight. And uh, especially we'll be doing some giveaways because they gave us some nice swag to give away. So again, that's coming uh, shortly. So keep listening to the podcast and we'll have the information on uh, Twitter. So awesome. Um, do you want it? Would you like to end the podcast? Yeah, uh, I mean, like I said earlier, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the, you know, we all love hockey so much, you know, it's an awesome game, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, at the end of the day, there's some things that are more important. So, uh, I think it'd be appropriate just to say to end this podcast, it's J-Bo Meester season.
Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.